Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. What does the word disruptive mean to you? It means going beyond the ordinary, going beyond the status quo. Not thinking in the conventional way, not just sort of following the herd. Disruptive means shaking things up, you know? Disruptive entrepreneur is somebody who sees the problem and embraces the problem with a new way. Shake up and awakening. Quality will take care of itself and you'll go from being disruptive but also profitable. When you use your own reservoir of talent, when you love what you do, then you disrupt. Mix it up, change it up and dominate. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Hi, it's Rob Moore here. So in this important video, I'm sharing the 10 biggest, unusual, surprising and hard lessons I've had from 2019. I'll also share some wins too, uh, but I'm frequently told that the content that people like from me right up there with my best content is when I share my mistakes, challenges and hardships. And believe you me, whilst this year has been in many areas my best and biggest year I've ever had in my 40 years, it also brought me some of my biggest challenges, uh, difficult lessons, some things that I maybe should have known but didn't know, maybe could have prepared for but didn't prepared for, prepare for. I got blindsided by a few things. We had a few really big disruptions. Um, as you know, I hired a therapist off the back of some of the challenges I had, which is actually point 10. Um, and I've had some, it's been a really great thing for me to have a therapist. I've always had coaches, mentors. I've always done courses. I've always been on masterminds for the last 15 years. And it's really helped grow my business and my personal development. But it was only three months ago I hired a therapist. Uh, and I'll share that. So I've got 10 of these big, unusual, surprising, challenging, hard lessons to share with you from 2019 to prepare us to go big in 2020. All right, so here we go. Are you ready for my biggest, unusual, surprising, challenging, hard lessons from 2019? All right, so what I'll do is I'll list some of them, then I'll go back and detail them, then I'll summarize them at the end. So the first one is be careful what you wish for. Um, I wish for my biggest year. I had my biggest year and it gave me some big challenges. Number two is with your biggest highs can come your biggest challenges. Number three will be stay patient. Number four will be you can always outsource and leverage more. Number five is every entrepreneur struggles with letting go. Number six is you have to ask for help. Number seven is all about people. Number eight is about realism, um, the upsides and downsides. Um, number nine is what you think you know about people. And then number 10 are some lessons from my therapy. Okay, so almost a year ago to the day, it was January the 2nd. So it was a year ago, 361 days ago, I made a strategic plan to have my biggest year ever. I watched the Alexander McQueen documentary. He hung himself when he was 40 years old on the evening of his mum's funeral. He did put so much into 21 years of his career became one of the best artists I believe that's ever lived, one of the best fashion designers that's ever lived. That documentary absolutely blew my mind and shook my world. And I made some changes in my mindset. I made some commitments and I committed to having the biggest year ever. I was going to go for 20 million or 21 million turnover in my training businesses, which was our biggest year ever. We were going to develop our biggest property projects. We're developing 130 units um, in two big projects at the moment. I was going to build my personal brand the biggest, have the most followers I've ever had. That My, my reach in my podcast was going to go ballistic. Um, I was going to be um, sending our trainers uh, globally. We were going to do a big rebrand of all of our companies. 
In fact, you can listen to that episode. I did an episode of all my plans for 2019. Uh, and I had the biggest year ever. But I, I learned something very specific. Now, this is going to seem a bit strange, but I remember speaking to John Demartini a few months ago. And he said to me, when I'm planning my goals now, or when I'm planning my year or whatever, as well as planning my goals and what I want to achieve, I also plan in advance the challenges I'm going to have. So um, it's like goal setting and fear setting. Goal setting is setting the goals. Fear setting is what will the challenges be? What difficulties might there be? Um, you know, what do we need to plan and prepare for in advance? What could blindside us? And most people don't do that. Uh, and I thought that's quite interesting what John Demartini does is he plans for the downsides when he's planning the upsides. And this was the lesson I got for having my biggest year ever in 2019, because I also had my biggest challenges. So when you set your goals and your plans, the bigger they are, make sure also you plan for the disruptions, the challenges, the difficulties, the breakages, and then you're ready for them. Also, being careful what you wish for, because I only wished for my biggest year ever, um, but I also had my most chaotic year ever, the biggest challenges ever, some big breakages, and, and you can't wish for one without the other. And I wasn't specific enough with what I wished for and what I planned for. So that was a big lesson. It's been a big year, a crazy year, an amazing year, a challenging year, a year that forced me into getting a therapist. Um, we had massive challenges with huge growth, but huge increase in overhead. It went from like 450 to 700 grand a month just in a year. That's a lot. So if I'm targeting growth and scale all the time, I've got to watch the profit margin. I've got to watch the overheads. And it's kind of hard to do both. So that was a big revelation for me. Things break when you go big, you know, staff leave, systems break. Um, what else broke? Merchant providers. And it, it was funny because we had our biggest event ever. We did 1.2 million pounds from one event in two days. And then one of our merchant providers, which is basically someone who allows you to take money, said, sorry, and we're giving you notice. Bye. You take too much money. You make too much money. What? I mean, you can't plan and prepare for that. And that caused us a lot of disruption. OK, so next then point two is linked to point one. With your biggest highs, not only can, but will come your biggest challenges, your biggest lows. So you need to be ready for what you can't be ready for. And that sounds weird, doesn't it? Um, like prepare and plan for the unexpected. Be ready for what you can't be ready for. And be prepared for what blindsides you. That's a paradox because you never know what that is. But at least be ready for it, whatever it will be. And I think, honestly, um, I was a little bit naive of that at the start of the year. Um, we'd had plenty of challenges and I felt like I was pretty prepared for challenges. But what I wasn't prepared for was that the bigger I go, the bigger the challenges go. And it's weird because I knew that every year, the bigger I'd gone, the bigger challenges we'd had. But I think I'd had a couple or three of really comfortable years. Like if you go back and listen to that podcast I did a year ago, um, you will hear me say things like, look, I got pretty comfortable the last two or three years. I stopped doing a load of speaking gigs. I started sending my trainers on all the um, speaking gigs. You know, I, I got really comfortable mostly staying in, inside, doing my podcast from home, not really getting out there and being that social. Um, and, you know, we had 80 odd staff. I, things were pretty systemized. I spent a lot of time with my son playing golf. And like I just had a couple of really, I mean, they were nice, don't get me wrong, and had a lot of freedom and choice, but I got comfortable. And so I kind of, I desired to disrupt myself and get uncomfortable myself. But at the same time, it's weird that I've, I, I'm very aware that with your biggest growth comes your biggest challenges, but I definitely wasn't ready for the ones that I had. But then if I had been ready, maybe I wouldn't have pushed myself to that new level. And so I put myself out there way more last year. 
I did way more speaking gigs. I launched some new courses. I went and did a load of external speaking gigs, you know, in front of 500 people or 1,000 people or whatever. Stuff I'd been doing for years, but stopped doing because of, you know, I was systemizing. I was stepping back. I was letting my trainers and my staff take the lead. I was being a leader and not just putting myself out there. I was letting them take over, you know, a lot of the assets that I'd built, the podcast, the speaking gigs. Um, and, you know, my job was to develop them rather than myself. But I got comfortable and then I disrupted myself and then I caused myself some pain. All right, then. So point three, then, is to stay patient. Now, I think we all know patience is important. You know, they say it takes 10 years to be an overnight success. Well, I'm not sure it takes that long anymore, but you certainly have to be patient. Uh, and I, I see people worrying about their competition, looking at what others are doing, you know, feeling like they're getting left behind, um, finding it hard to stay, sit on their hands, want to do that income stream, that business model and that opportunity because everyone else is doing it. And it's really easy to get distracted by anyone else. And, you know, you don't plant a seed and come back the next day and go, well, where's my fucking tree? I got fucked. I got missold. I got scammed. I want my tree. Give me my tree. You, you wouldn't do that. So um, I think it's really important to be inspired by those who are ahead of you, but don't feel like you're not worthy. Be motivated by competition, but don't get distracted by them. Um, be clear on your vision, your mission, your values, your goals, your journey, your direction, where you're going and stay patient. Have you seen that growth curve of wealth by um, Warren Buffett? Age 18, slow, 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 slow. Age 50, age 55, bosh, straight up. Age, age 85, 100 billion or not far off. Age 50, a few million. And it took ages to go from, you know, zero to a few million. And then not very long to go to 10 million, 100 million, 1,000 million. 1,000 million? A billion. Um, now, a lot of people are not patient enough. They're not consistent enough. They distract themselves. You know, you, people often think, oh, my distraction, my competition are distracting me. Oh, this, this person's interrupting me. I'm getting calls and emails and messages. Everyone's distracting me. Everyone's interrupting me. No, 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 no. Only you are distracting you and interrupting you by allowing those things to disrupt you. And a lot of that is uh, impatience. It's a, you know, a lack of consistency. Um, you don't, like I said, you don't expect to plant a, a seed and sit, have your tree the next day. And maybe only now, five years in, am I getting really good reach on my videos? Um, have I reached 200 plus countries on my podcast? I've done 430 episodes for my podcast. I do two or three episodes every single week. And you know what? I now know I don't have to be perfect. I just have to be prolific. Be prolific over perfect. Um, be uh, consistent, you know, over like fast, 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 and then over. Uh, and um, patience sitting on your hands and sometimes doing nothing instead of doing something that disrupts or um, overrules or breaks what you were doing. I'm like Tracy said, her brain distracts her, of course. We are our own biggest distractor. Um, okay, number four, point four then, is you can always outsource and leverage more. So I wrote Life Leverage uh, and I'd outsource most of my business and personal admin. Uh, I didn't really have to do much except check in for board meetings, check in occasionally online or on email. I could travel for weeks on end. That was how I wanted my life. Um, while I was doing, you know, Bobby's, all of Bobby's uh, European and, and British and World Golf Championships all over the world. Um, but what happens is when you get to a certain level of outsourcing and leveraging certain um, levels of admin, then all you do is take on more. And then you have a high level of responsibility and then you get busy and overwhelmed again. But then you can take on the next level of outsourcing, like a, a, a marketing manager or someone in sales. Um, and, and, and then an operations manager, and then an MD, uh, and then a CEO, and you become chairman. And there's always another level of leverage and outsourcing. 
So what you find is you outsource stuff, you liberate your time and you think, oh, I'm done now. I can relax. I don't have to do anything. I'm going to travel, travel the world. And I did that. But then you either get bored and you um, and distracted and you need more because you need that importance of feeding or you want to grow when you create space, you want to fill it with growth and more. And so then you get busy and overwhelmed again. Um, and then you need to leverage out again. So for me, I wrote Life Leverage and then some people say to me, well, Rob, you seem busier than ever. That's because I created the space to bring more things in. And next year, I'm going to do a lot more speaking gigs and I'm going to do a lot more um, podcasts. I'm going to go to America and hire a Winnebago and um, travel up the West Coast and do loads of podcast interviews. So when I, when I, um, I have 15 people in marketing, I have 12 people, 15 people in sales. So sales and marketing is all outsourced. But when I outsource that, I do my own social media. And then when my social media becomes too much for me, I have to get help on my social media. And, and then when I've got, um, you know, our Catherine, our MD, who's running the whole enterprise, well, I'm going to go and then start another enterprise or go and buy a company or go and travel America and try and get my brand launched in America. So that is my nature. That is human nature often when you... For years, people have been asking me where I buy my watches. Many of you may know I'm a watch collector. I'm a watch investor. And those as an asset class have done me very well in the last 15 years. I have never shared where I source my watches from or my watch dealer until now. My watch dealer used to be a professional footballer for Manchester United, and he formed a watch brand called Broadwalk. And he sources the higher-end brands like Rolex, Audemars Piguet, Patek Philippe and Richard Mille. I trust him. I've used him for many years. And recently, we've done a partnership. Hence, I'm inviting you, if you want to start investing in watches and protect your money from the banks and inflation, to check out Broadwalk. That's B-R-O-A-D-W-A-L-K. And the website is broadwalkgroup.com. The email is sales at broadwalkgroup.com. And please don't share this, but his number is 07496 878153. Obviously, only message him if you're serious about buying and investing in the higher-end watches. People have been asking me for years, and for the first time ever, you can get access to my watch team. Create voids of space and time, you fill it. So um, you just leverage and outsong. It's a constant new level, constant new level, constant new level, constant new level. Um, cool. All right. So point five of the biggest, unusual, surprising, hard, challenging lessons I have learned from 2019 is every entrepreneur struggles with letting go. I don't care what level you're at. Hiring staff, scaling, getting management in, selling your business, um, you know, getting help on your personal brand, developing property projects, you know, media and TV and PR. Every entrepreneur I've ever met, even billionaires, they um, have challenges letting go. Uh, and, and what the good ones have done is letting go at lower levels, but then they struggle to let go at higher levels. Uh, and a couple of things I let go of this year that I'd struggled with for many years. Um, so one of them is I've trained probably 120 trainers. 25 of them are more than capable now of running all of my events, my 850 training days a year. And I'm sending them all around the world to do all the speeches abroad. And I won't be doing that. And in the early years, I did them all. And in the latter years, I had to do the earlier ones to train them and then make sure they're properly well trained to then let go. And now they're good enough. I know they're good enough and they're going to go and do it. And I've let go of that. And the second thing is I've written loads of books, as you know, and I've finally got help. Um, editorial, ghostwriting, more research. And actually, um, for the first time ever, my new book opportunity is going to be, yes, the content is mine. And I've done lots of um, transcriptions and WhatsApp messages and the bulk of the content. But my ghostwriter has actually physically written the book. Um, and I don't think in any way the work will be affected. Uh, she knows my voice. 
I think she's got that down. Uh, I, I'd even argue that it's going to, in many ways, be better. But I always said, well, I, I can't let go of that. I can't leverage that. All right, I can have an MD in my company and I can hire loads of staff and I can get like um, outsourced to help me with all my social media messaging and stuff like that. But I can't have people write my books for me. Well, I can. And that's the thing. I mean, my friend Joe Ratner had his go book ghostwritten. Why can't I? Um, I'll just make sure my voice is there. All, it's, all the content is original and mine. So they're two big things I've let go of. So that means that the things that you're struggling to let go of, the admin, the outsourcing, the, you know, the dealing with the clients, the sales, the marketing, you can let go of it because there's always new levels of letting go. Every entrepreneur st struggles, then they let go, then they get um, admin help, then people make mistakes, they have good stuff and bad stuff, you know, they have the turnover, they have people who set up in competition, they have people who screw them over, they have bad PR, you know, their brand is slightly um, damaged by someone. You go through all of that. If you, want, if you want to grow, you have to go through all of that. But then you, you get good at systems and processes and training and onboarding and leadership. And that diminishes and you get comfortable that you've let go of a certain level. And then it's the next level. And then it's the next level. And then it's the next level. Point six, you have to ask for help. Uh, and so many people are struggling alone. They don't have mentors, coaches. They don't have therapists. They don't talk to people. They're not in the right peer group. I cannot tell you how many calls I have with people at the end, they say, Rob, it's just nice to talk to someone who understands. Rob, it's nice to talk to someone who's not judging me. Rob, it's nice to talk to someone who's got a business. Rob, it's nice to talk to someone who doesn't judge me. Rob, it's nice to talk to someone who's an entrepreneur and knows what I'm going through. I hear that all the time. Uh, and, and here's the thing, though, and this is important. It's your responsibility. You can't sit there alone wishing for people to come and save you and support you. Uh, you know, you've got to go and find those circles. You've got to get to the networking events. You've got to get in the right property Facebook groups. You've got to take me up on the one-to-one -one calls when I do them. You've got to come to the progressive events. You've got to join my supporter program. You know, you've got to get in the right network and the right circles, hunt out the millionaires locally and take them out for lunch and dinner. That's on you. Now, a massive revelation I got this year. I'm, I'm really good at asking for help for something I'm either shit at. I don't mind being shit at. I'm learning. I don't know. And I'm really good at asking for help. I always do courses. I always get masterminds. You know, I always go and ask people who are well ahead of me. I'm, I'm good at that. I wasn't good at that 15 years ago, by the way, because pride and ego always got in the way. But here was a revelation I had this year. If it's marketing or if it's selling or if it's social media or if it's personal development or if it's vision or if it's strategy, the things that I am actually quite good at and people perceive me to be good at and I help a lot of people with, I had this block where I would never ask for anyone for any help in those areas because I perceived that people look up, looked up to me because a lot of people do. And therefore, I perceived it as a weakness to ask for help in that area because I'm supposed to be strong. And that was a massive revelation for me. And in the end, I sat my MD down and my um, business partner down and I said, look, I've, I, I just need to tell you both, I'm really fucking struggling. I'm struggling with this and I'm struggling with that. And I know you both think I've probably got it sorted and I'm supposed to be good at this, but I need to tell you I'm struggling and I need help. And that was really scary for me to do. But it was also really liberating. And it was probably only a week or two after that that I had my therapist, which is point 10, by the way, uh, on this live stream. Uh, and it was just a massive like, oh, I felt like a massive weight off my shoulders because, you know, I, th I think many of you watching and listening, you're good at asking for help in certain areas where you don't worry being judged. But in other areas, you probably never ask for help. You know, a lot of strong, independent males or northern males or, you know, men who like struggle to talk about their emotions um, you know, maybe some of our failings and mistakes and vulnerabilities, or like I said, areas you're supposed to be good at, or people perceive you to be that you've got your shit together. But if, if you don't ask for help, you don't get it. You know, it, it's only when you're really struggling will people come and save you. You don't want to wait until you're really struggling. So go out there and ask for help. Really important. You can ask me 
if anyone's struggling, anyone's got really real difficulties going on in their life, you're having like depressive or suicidal thoughts, I will always take give you time. I do one-to-one calls with anyone asking for help in that regard. Um, and uh, Sanjay has just said on the live stream, and this makes me feel warm and emotional. He said, I never asked for any help until I asked for you for the 15 minute call. And we had a great call. Um, and, and, and if my work helps you ask for help more then my work is, I, I, I am fulfilled because you know what? It's not, it's not that you need to know everything because you've got access to everything you need through me, through my live streams, through my supporter program, through my podcast, through my social media groups, through my network, through, you know, your network, through mentors, through therapists, through coaches, through millionaires, or, you know, with social media, everyone and everything you need, you've got instant access to. You just have to ask. You just have to, peop- you have to let people know what you want and you need. And it was definitely ego that got in the way for me. I'll give you another example. I never used to want to ask anyone for podcast guests because I've had a lot of great guests. And so I guess people perceive that I'm good at getting guests. Fuck that now. If I want to interview Kevin Peterson or Damien Hurst or Ronnie O'Sullivan or Vivian Westwood um, or what other, you know, um, get, by the way, I'd love to interview any, all four of those. If, you, if anyone knows any of them, please put me in touch. I'm just going to ask. I'm going to put it on my social media. What's wrong with asking? If you don't ask, you don't get. And my dad taught me that. Um, and, and but what stops me from asking is my or our fear of being judged. But fuck it. I, I'd rather be judged for asking for a podcast guest and then getting them than not asking. And, and why is it a weakness to ask? People see it as a weakness to ask. I think it's a strength. It's a strength to ask. It's a strength to ask for help. It's the strength to say, hey, look, I'm not where I want to be. None of us are where we want to be. This is just normal. OK, cool. So we've done point six out of 10 points of your biggest, my biggest, most unusual, most surprising, most challenging, most hard lessons from 2019. Um, I hope you're enjoying them so far. All right, then, point seven, uh, and that is um, people. For me, probably the greatest gift of life is the people that you meet, the experiences you have with people. We are an interconnected social animal. And um, have you ever had something happen? And then um, it happened on your own and you didn't get to celebrate it with anyone. And maybe it didn't feel as good. This is going to sound weird, um, but I, I, I never told anyone this for probably 15 years. And then for some reason I got asked it on a podcast and then it, everyone knew about it. I won Face of Peterborough 1999. <laughs> I wouldn't win it in 2020, let's be honest, with these grey hairs in my beard. Um, but it's a bit embarrassing. But I won a modelling competition in Peterborough in 1999, which is nothing to be proud of. And I remember I won it and the, the big um, sort of like final with like eight of us where we did interviews and we did this sort of catwalk and all this kind of cheesy crap. Um, this was in the, uh, the biggest nightclub in Peterborough. It was called back then Quo Vardis. I didn't even Peterborough remember that. Um, and I won and it was like, whoa. And there were like hundreds of people in this club. And I remember just thinking, oh, man, this actually feels quite good. Um, and I, uh, you know, a couple of people came up to me in the club, like, nice one, well done. And I thought, oh man, maybe I'll get a girl tonight. And then my sister said, oh, we're going. Cause I was, used to go out with my sister. Um, and off we went, uh, and we ended up going somewhere else and I went home. I remember thinking, man, I've won this and I don't get to celebrate it with anyone. I'm sitting on my own going, oh, great. And I've got a business partner and our victories are much better when we get to share them together. And your challenges are much better when you get to um, have help and share those with other people too. So for me, people is everything. And the podcast guests I've met, the partners I've got, the mentors I've got, the community I've got, all of you that follow me and listen to my podcast and are in my supporter program. Honestly, I've met so many amazing, inspiring, interesting people. 
I talked to you on all the one-to-ones, the challenges and hardships you've had, yet how strong you are. You know, all the people here who are giving me stars. We've just hit 10,000 on this live stream. It just makes me feel amazing and alive. I'm so inspired by the people I meet. And I realise the greatest gift is meeting really interesting, quirky, unique, inspired people, entrepreneurs, people who are on the same journey, people who, you know, who like the same stuff, who are going through the same stuff. And um, so I challenge myself this year to meet way more people, to put myself out there, to meet billionaires, to meet, you know, 100 millionaires, to meet people struggling, to mentor more people, to get mentored by more people, to be more social, to do more social um, supporter meetups and to go and speak at more events. And I'm really good friends with people now like Grant Cardone and Jake Wood and Kevin Clifton, you know, really massive, successful people who would who I call friends and they call me friends. And that is just like an amazing gift. I don't usually have that many friends, friends, but I've actually made a couple of really good friends this year. You know, people I regard as good, close friends. And that's also an awesome thing for me to experience. Um, And so are you doing that enough? Probably not. So you should be doing it more. You learn a lot from them. You get inspired from them. You get energy from them. And also, I think it's really important to hang around with people in your peer group, to hang around with people above you, you know, mentors, people who are successful and more experienced in the, the niche you want to be successful in. But also hang around with people who are less experienced than you that you can help and you can give your wisdom to. Hang around with older people who are mentors who've got wisdom and experience. But hang around with younger people who make you feel alive um, and energetic and enthusiastic. I've, I've spent this year hanging around a lot with Harry and Kieran and Bella and Tom, who are all like 30 or under. Bella's 21, Kieran's 25, Harry's 26, 27. And these guys are younger, a lot younger than me. Um, and that's great because it, I just remember uh, my energy, my enthusiasm. So because I've often hung around with older people to get their wisdom and knowledge and experience. Do both. And for me, people are the greatest gifts in life. You know, when you have interesting, energetic, um, you know, like dingy dongy, um, dynamic conversation, dingy dongy, I don't know what that means. Dynamic conversations with people. You know how great that feels. It's weird because I feel like that now and you're not, I'm just talking to myself, but I'm not really, I'm talking to you. All right. Point eight then is realism. Now, I must admit, in the early years of starting my business and my property portfolio, I was all about big goals, dream, you know, be unrealistic. Um, you know, those that are crazy enough to think they can change the world often do. That's going to be me. And then life smacks you in the face and then life gives you some hard, cold realities and difficulties and challenges. And I think, what? Maybe last year, year before, last two or three years before 2019, I bought into being realistic. Maybe 10% growth is realistic in a, in a 13-year-old business. Maybe 30% growth is unrealistic. And you know what? This year I thought, no, nah, fuck that. Um, I think, yeah, okay, being grounded, cool, learning your lessons, cool, don't let your ego get away with you, cool, but still have big dreams, still have big goals. And I decided in 2019 that I wasn't going to settle for 10% growth just because mentors of mine have said, oh, well, you know, 10% of growth in a 14-year-old company, that's about realistic. I mean, 15% would be really good. I was like, no, fuck that. Why do I have to buy into that? Why do I have to own that and be realistic about that? We're going to have 30% growth. We're going to have 50% growth. So we did. We had 30% growth because I decided not to buy into what other people told me I should be realistic about. Now, there is a paradoxical balance that, I, you know, 500% growth, you know, you know, 10 million every minute. Of course, that's deluded. So there has to be some grounded realism. 
but don't buy into these limitations that other people impose upon you. If it's humanly possible, you can do it and break those limitations that others put on you and, and you put on yourself about being too realistic and safe and secure. Big lesson for me. Some, some of my lessons this year have been re-lessons, like things I learned 10 years ago because I'm at a different place now and I've got a bigger brand and a bigger business. So I learned them again, but just at a higher level. And so that was definitely an interesting thing for me to experience this year. Um, all right, then. So two more. Now, I see this all the time on social media. And, I, you know, you know, I ask people on my podcast, if there was one thing in the world that you would like to change, what would that be? Well, I've got one thing. I've actually never been asked this, but I, I see everyone do this um, to stop judging people, to stop assuming what you think they think and start listening and asking. So I see this all the time where people assume you've said or done something or that you mean something when they have no proof. Uh, and I think we do that a lot, don't we? We assume and we judge, probably to overcome our own fears, probably to be defensive or critical or to elevate ourselves. And um, you do not know people until you ask. Uh, you do know, not know what they mean until you ask. And I'm gobsmacked at how many people assume on social media and just in general. You know, like, for example, loads of people say, oh, billionaires are power hungry. Why do we need billionaires? I have met five new billionaires this year. I know probably a dozen billionaires. They're, they're all some of the nicest people I've ever met. In fact, they are way nicer than a lot of the critics who are criticising them. Because I know because I've met them. They're not greedy at all. They're not power hungry at all. Uh, and people don't know them and they judge them. Uh, and... You know, on social media, people are always like, oh, this, this means this, this means that. Um, occasionally, I, as an admin of my Facebook groups, I have to delete posts because people break the rules. And people all the time going, oh, someone deleted the post, but I did nothing wrong. And they deleted the post because I did this and I did that. Oh, and they delete the post because um, they don't want you talking bad about them. Or they delete, delete the post because blah, blah, blah. And they're always wrong. And they don't check the guidelines. And they don't check to ask. Uh, and so I think a great lesson is to not judge people, to not assume to care, to ask, to find out, to discover, and certainly don't go publicising publicly and socially what you think people are saying and doing and how you think they are. And, you know, loads of people, they judge um, celebrities and people who are successful and famous and wealthy. They've never fucking met them. Uh, and for me, I don't judge until I've met. And if you catch me saying something about someone I've never met, slap me. Give me a, a, an emoji slap because, you know, I'm not perfect, so I might slip from time to time. But I do my best not to judge because you don't know. And by the way, I'm constantly surprised by people. I, I think I know someone, you know, like I, I see many of you posting on my social media. I think I know you quite well. Then we do a one to one call and then I'm like, wow, I didn't know that at all. Uh, and we've all got struggles. We're all doing the best with what we know, with how we've been brought up. We're all you know, getting triggered and reacting to that. Um, I think most people mean good. And yeah, we often don't know where a lot of people's drivers uh, come from. All right. Um, and then finally, it's going to be my journey of therapy. So therapy. This year was the first year I hired a therapist. And um, I don't know why I thought about it, because actually I didn't give a shit if people were going to judge me. I, you know, some people, oh, I've got a therapist. Oh, I must be fucked up. Uh, I didn't hire them because I was fucked up. I hired them after a couple of big challenges. But I hired them because I thought I've tried everything else. Coach, mentor, peers. Um, friends, partners, uh, and I, there were some needs I wasn't getting met. I wasn't able to talk deep enough. 
There were things I couldn't open about. There was things that they would judge me on, even though I'd know they'd try not to judge me. And so I just thought, well, therapist is the only thing I haven't tried. I tried three or four, three or four of them didn't work for me. Maybe they were, some of them were a bit judgmental, which I was surprised at. Some of them kept trying to read what I was saying and assuming what I was saying. Some of them didn't let me go deep enough, didn't let me talk long enough. And then I found one, bang, uh, and it's just gone wild. Um, wild, good. We've, we, you know. And um, by the way, uh, loads of people have asked me for my therapist. I'm sorry, I can't share my therapist details. Um, she wouldn't have any time left in her life with all the people that have asked me. But all I did was research local therapists, tried to look at the ones that might have the skills of where I think I'm lacking. And then I just tried some and just settled on the one that I liked. But you can never talk deep enough about what you want to talk about in a two-way conversation. It has to be someone who's paid to listen, number one. Number two, the deeper you go, the deeper you go. Um, the more tangents you go off on, you realise, wow, I didn't know that about me. I didn't know that about me. I didn't know that about me. You will learn way more about yourself doing therapy than you will in many other areas. I mean, I've done so much personal development, so many courses, got so many mentors, and yet I learned so much more about myself that I didn't know. Um, it's very uh, cathartic, of course. Um, you'll often find your triggers, which you'll be able to um, own and repair and forgive. Um, you work solely on you for a change. You're not fearing judgment. And I've learned so much about myself. Now, I did a deep dive live stream on some things that I learned about myself when I was really young. So go watch that on my page if you didn't already. I don't want to repeat myself. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty much going to have weekly sessions until I feel like, OK, I've explored everything that's been there. And then I'll probably have bi-monthly every two week sessions from then on. And it, it, sometimes when I've not really got a problem, I'll be like, oh, you know, I don't feel like I need to go. You don't have, a, have to have a problem to go. But, you know, would you work on your wealth? Would you work on your wellness? Would you work on your health? Would you go to the gym? Why wouldn't you work on your mental and emotional well-being? Uh, and I really, it's really made a massive difference to me. And so 20, uh, 2019 has been, all, been about the journey of getting a therapist. Uh, and 2020 will be about, uh, you know, exploring myself, getting to know myself even better. I thought a lot of my triggers came from when I was an overweight kid. Um, and I was, what, about eight, nine, 10, 11. I've shared that with you from time to time. I actually didn't realise a lot of them go way back from when I was alone in my mum and dad's pub while they were working. And when I was very young, like two and three and four and a couple of experiences of um, in the cot and um, at Christmas Day and stuff like that. And, and I was like, whoa, that really did surprise me. Um, but it also really helped me. And I believe the better you know yourself, the better you're equipped with the pursuit that you're on with not worrying about what people judge you on or criticise you for. You're, you know, if you know yourself and love and, and, and own and respect yourself and admire yourself and you know that that younger version of you was doing its best and if that was anyone else, you'd have sympathy with them. So why are you beating yourself up about it? That equips you with the tools and the understanding and the confidence and the volition um, and the, the centeredness to go and achieve your mission. So I'm definitely going to share that journey with you because I did it as a bit of a test. And, and I was I kind of a bit reticent to do that, not because of the judgment. I don't really care if I get judged. So what? I know it's a, a gift and I know a lot of people are getting benefit from me sharing that. You know, I am a bit of an oversharer, but I know that gives other people permission to share their challenges. And I know they benefit from that. So I've learned that from my oversharing over the years. Um, so I, I, why did I not do it before? I guess I hadn't thought about it. I guess I hadn't ha exhausted all other options. Um, I guess I perceived that maybe the therapist wouldn't be at a good enough level. I mean, paying 50 quid an hour for me is like, it's too cheap. They can't be good at that price. I mean, some of my mentors charged me thousands of pounds an hour, one of them 3,000 pounds 
for a 45 minute phone call. So it's just perception. All right, cool. Um, so I'm going to share my journey on that. So um, a lot of people tell me that's the sort of stuff they like me to share. So I'll continue to do that. All right, then. Um, summary. Summary of the 10 biggest, most unusual, most surprising, hardest lessons I had of 2019 uh, and um, how to prepare us for 2020. Number one, be careful what you wish for, because I had my biggest launch in 2019 to commit to my biggest year. And that also brought my biggest challenges. And I learned to prepare the, the downsides of your goals as well as the upsides. Number two, with your biggest highs comes your biggest struggles. You should know that, but we often don't appreciate or we're often not ready for that. So be ready for what you can't be ready for. Be prepared for what's going to blindside you. Number three, stay patient. Um, competition will come and competition will go. So keep doing what you're doing. Don't um, sort of disrupt or ruin or distract yourself by being impatient or not um, sitting on your hands through times where really the best thing to do is to wait or just to stay consistent and keep doing what you're doing. A lot of people, they don't have the consistency or the patience. So then they change, they stop, they get distracted, they get frustrated, they beat themselves up, um, they give up, and then they lose. Number four, you can always outsource or leverage more. It's just levels and levels and levels and levels. Um, so get into the habit of outsourcing and leveraging more, more levels, more wealth, more levels, more growth, more scale. Number five, every entrepreneur struggles with letting go. Again, letting go is just about levels. Let go of your admin. Let go of your um, um, social media messages. Let go of your emails. Let go of your sales. Let go of your marketing. Let going of your operations. Let going of your leadership. Because you, you could continually let go. Um, and you just, when I say let go, I mean staff, systems, outsourcers, PAs, VAs, um, people. And you just become a greater level of leader. Point six, you have to ask for help. People aren't going to come and save you. You have to ask. Big revelation for me was I was happy asking unless people perceived I should know the answer, in which case I was scared to ask. I got over that and I asked for help, even in the areas where people perceived I knew my shit. What's up, Babs? Mommy stole my teddy. Aww. And he stole my, and he stole my little Jaguar. Did he? Oh, Bobby stole Ariana's teddy and Jaguar. Um, can I come and help you after I've done this live? Do you want to say hello to everyone? You like being on the lives, don't you? No? Okay. No worries. Um, all right, then. Uh, so ask for help in all areas you need. Don't worry about being judged. It's better to ask for help and get the solution and be judged by a few people than to not have the solution. Um, I've got to be quick because um, Bobby stole an Ariana's teddy. <laughs> uh, and they're kicking off. Uh Number seven, the greatest gifts of life, I believe, is people, the people you meet uh, and um, the people you get to know and the gifts people give to you and the gifts you give to others. And those dynamic, energetic, interesting, passionate, involved conversations you have with inspiring people and getting to know successful people and people in all different walks of life and even people with different beliefs and even people you think you didn't like. The greatest gift is to get to know all those people and build relationships with those people. Do that more next year. I'm going to do that more next year. Uh, number eight, what people say to you is realistic. Fuck that. As long as it's possible, you can do it. Don't settle for realistic, for sold out, you know, for normal, for steady. Don't be, don't be naive as well about thinking that you can, you know, make 10 million pounds a minute. But don't buy into what is safe and realistic. Who says? Uh, number nine, you do not know people. So do not judge them. Ask, listen, care to find out and certainly don't publicly 
judge people. They are really kicking off. I've got to go in a minute. Um, I'm gobsmacked at how many people do that all over social media. Uh, uh, People will always surprise you and you will care and like and understand them more when you get to know them. And number 10, therapy has been great for me in 2019 and 2020. I'm going to uh, have my regular therapy sessions and I am going to learn as much as I can about myself because I think that's going to help me help the world. So thank you for tuning in. You've been awesome. Uh, I hope you have a, a great year. I'm looking forward for you smashing 2020. I'm looking forward to helping you uh, grow your business, your strategy, um, whatever it is that you want, the uh, the, the extra income stream. Um, make sure you're on my supporter program. Make sure you tune into all my lives. Make sure you're in the Disruptive Entrepreneur community. Make sure you listen to my podcast regularly because I'm going to put out more content this year than I've ever put out to help you go big. And remember, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything.